Today's show is going to be about millennials and retirement. And rather than just pontificate and talk about millennials, I'm actually going to try and find one to join me in a conversation. So hold on while I go look for the first millennial I see and try and get her or him on the show with me today. This is Dolphin Financial Radio, a show about planning your retirement. When you are young, financial decisions are easy. You aren't worried too much about the future, and you know you have plenty of time on your side. However, as you get older, the financial decisions get more difficult. Eventually, you reach the age where you face decisions about employment, home buying, raising a family, and college planning. Your financial success is often determined by how you handle the many curveballs thrown your way and by how much you are saving for retirement. Before you know it, you are within 10 years, five years, and then one year of retiring. At this point, you'll be facing new and different financial challenges. You'll worry if you have enough money to last through retirement. You'll be concerned about healthcare and longevity. You'll want to make sure your retirement is everything you always dreamed it would be. These are the retirement challenges that we will address each week on this show. Regardless of how far you are from retirement, it's time to listen in as we begin another episode of Dolphin Financial Radio. Hello and welcome to another Dolphin Financial Radio show with me, Dan Wendell, owner of the Dolphin Financial Group. Alongside me today is not Tony Shore, but I have a special guest. Like I said, like I promised, I was able to find a millennial. The first person I wanted to get was not willing, so... I was able to find Mitch, who, by the way, doesn't work for Dolphin Financial Group, is not being paid to do this, and to be honest with you, I have no idea about his financial standing or philosophies, so it's going to be an off-the-cuff conversation with Mitch, who, in all fairness and openness, does get involved with me in some way, because he is one of the people that work on this podcast. He does a lot of the behind the scenes work to make this show sound beautiful, to put auto-tune on my voice to make it sound even better. And now he's going to get a chance to be on the show instead of just getting behind the scenes. I, uh, before we start, I want to just say, um, we'll see where this goes, but I didn't even know that Mitch was a millennial until he said, yeah, I'll do it when, when, when asked. So Mitch, welcome to the show. Hey, Dan, thanks for having me on and it's still kind of against my will. I wasn't planning on being on the show, but here I am and that's all right with me. <laughs> Things going to be fun. And yes, I am, in fact, a millennial. Um, one of the, uh, I guess, the earlier millennials, you know, the earlier eight, uh, end of the range. But yeah, I've given up trying to remember what the dates are. I just say anyone born in the 80s or 90s. So we're going to assume you were born in the 80s. Yeah, I think it's like 83 to 90 one or 92 or well, something like that. I don't know. Okay. But. Well, I, uh, I'll start by, by asking you a simple question. How do you feel about being a millennial? Well, I, that's kind of a dirty word, you know? <laughs> right? Right. It's, I think it's, 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 it's very, uh, uh, it is, is, yeah, it's a bad word. You, you hear millennials because it, it gives you this connotation of uh, probably rightly. So for some of them lazy entitled, uh, they think they deserve everything and, that's how a lot of them are. But I don't like, I don't feel like I associate with that because I don't think I am any of those things. I'm not. Oh, <laughs> I wonder if any millennial thinks they are. 
Associate I don't know if they are, but I mean, but since I since I am a millennial and I know a lot of millennials, obviously, uh, some of them definitely are. And they should be. <laughs> All of the bad things that you say about them, they are that. So whether well, they want to believe it or not. I deal with, as you know, uh, retirees, mostly people 50 and up. Yeah. But they all have, most of them have some sort of millennial connection through kids or grandkids. And I often get questions, what should I tell my kid, my grandkid, you know? And and I have millennials in my life with my nieces and nephews. My kids are still too young. I'm not a millennial, but um, I'm, I think X, I'm right before the millennials. So um, I also feel that it is a, a dirty word. Uh, and... And I know that most of my clientele, the baby boomers in particular, look at millennials in a mm, condescending way. Not a, maybe condescending is a bad word, but just they shake their heads at them, right? Right. So, um, but you're facing some different challenges here. I was talking to a millennial the other day about the fact that I didn't grow up with the internet, which is life changing. If you think about it. Right. And, and I just want to, and that, and that gets into the, like, there's two different sects of millennials. Basically there are the, you know, the ones that were in the early to mid eighties who didn't grow up with internet, you know, cause that, cause the internet didn't get become widespread until the middle, middle nineties or so. So, you know, people that were 10, 12, 15 years old, they were just starting to get into the internet then, but they were also at a time where they were young enough that they could still pick up on computers and how, you know, technology works. And then there's the other half of the millennials where they were born with the internet, with computers. And I think that's, those are like the two subsections of millennials. And I am in the earlier age of that. Okay. Now there are some general or generalities about millennials and, and I don't like to talk generalities or stereotypes because they don't always work, but they're very helpful a lot of times, especially when I'm meeting people for the first time to retire, to do retirement planning, I can relate to the people I've met with in the past and say, here's what other people have done that has worked and here's how they've had success and it, it'll probably apply to them. So what I want to do is kind of talk about some of these stereotypes that the millennials have and focus on the financial aspects, not, you know, maybe the attitude, but the financial aspects. And I want your take on it to see if you agree disagree if it if you it applies to you you know i mean you can always say you're asking for a friend but um <laughs> we'll, we 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 won't judge you right but um let's start with um let's start with one of the earlier things that the millennials will have to deal with financially and that's student loans um the general take right now is that millennials will sat, saddled with an amazing amount of student debt so First, did you go to college? Did you, and if so, what did you do about paying for it? Right. So I, um, I'm a little different. Like I did, yes, I did go to college, but I was in the army for six years. So I did have the GI bill. So that was able to actually cover all of my college and living expenses. So I am not saddled with the large student debts that other people are, but my wife, Sherry, it does have a large amount of debt from going to college. And I know a lot of other people in my peer group have a, you know, substantial amount of student loan debt. Well, thank you for your service, by the way. And oh, thanks. my question to you about that, just because it's an interesting topic and maybe has nothing to do with finances, but what do your millennial counterparts think about you and your service? Do they talk about it? Do they acknowledge it? Because my, and I'll, the reason why I'm asking is because my general take is that it seems Millennial generation seems to be not as 
uh, supportive of serving in the army or, or right. in, the, in, in, in serving the country in general. What is your, is that a, am I misguided? No, I mean, I, it, it's probably, it's one of those things like you're hearing the vocal minority on the internet, basically like, oh, bad troops or whatever, you know, endless wars and all this stuff, which has some merit sometimes. But for the most part, people I know and there are people I've known before I was in the army or even while I was out, you know, they've always been pretty supportive of it. And, you know, they are, they aren't seeing me like, oh, he's that army guy. They just see me as like, hey, it's Mitch. He's a fun guy. Okay, that's good. So now your wife, though, she's saddled with debt, unfortunately. Um, one of the things that I've said in the past uh, as a guidance, you know, I always talk about student loans and how parents really should save for their retirement before they pay for their kids' college education. Um, you're experiencing it. Do you? What's your take on parents helping with their child's uh, education and then What's your take on the degrees and the job situation? Meaning sometimes right, yeah. I see people getting jobs or degrees that have really no relevance to the job market. Yeah, I would think that'd be most of the degrees, including the one I have. But um Okay. I think yeah. So um if I think it's one of those things like if as a parent or even a grandparent, if you are financially able, if you already have a plan going ahead and you are and you have this extra, you know, slush money or something like that, that you can give to your kid or grandkid to help them get through college, I'd say more power to you if it's in the cards. But don't put a burden, a huge burden on yourself to put your kid through a college degree, especially if it's for, you know, a, a master's in businessology or something like that, you know, or right. some of the, you know, gender studies and th just things like that, that may not have careers after they're out of college, you know, or, and like, or like, not necessarily a high, high enough paying to even cover the interest. Right. On the loan. Right. And see, like for my degree, I have a, um, I have a bachelor's of media production. So videography, film, you know, audio editing, stuff like that. And I, w I got, I got that degree kind of right at the cusp of being able to basically find all of that information for free on the internet. So, was this, <laughs> so I mean like the, the, my right. entire job, everything that, the, that I went to school for, I could have learned it all on the internet on YouTube, you know? So <laughs> if you, if you have a degree, you know, something like that, it, it really depends. Like, obviously you want your surgeons to go to college. You want lawyers to go to college and things like that. But some of these other jobs, not necessarily. And I think there's actually a, um, you know, kind of like Mike Rowe, he's really big on the, the yes. blue collar job. So, yes. Mike you know, Rowe. the he trades does that and show, stuff. Yeah. Was that a dirty, dirty job? Yeah, he it? did dirty jobs and he has a, I don't know exactly what it's called, but it's like Mike Rowe, not university, but it's like a scholarship where he helps yeah, pay for people foundation. to go yeah. to, to trade school. And I think that's great because, you know, before I was in the army, I did, my dad's a drywall taper. So I, was working with him since I was about 12 years old, you know, on the summers and after school, you know, learning how to, you know, mud and tape and paint and finish drywall. So I have about 10 years of that trade under my belt, you know, on top of just kind of being handy. And it's actually transferred into like my normal life. So like we, we bought our house and it had some work that had to be done. So I would do the things I knew how to do. And if I didn't know how to do it, as long as it wasn't something major, like redoing the entire plumbing of my house or running electrical, I'm obviously not going to do that because I'm not licensed to do that or whatever. But like, you know, laying tile or or 
putting down laminate flooring, things like that, just being handy has saved, has ended up saving me money that way. I think I agree with you there. I had a, I was doing something in my garage. I forget what it was. I think I was fixing a bike or something. And the, the one of the neighbor boys came over to me and said, are you a, are you a, a worker? Are you a blacksmith or something like that? <laughs> and uh, I'm like, actually I'm not, but I grew up, my dad fixed everything. So we just picked that up, but that does apply. And then to your point about your degree and getting it, like one of my older brothers got his degree in medical illustration. And so he learned how to draw cadavers in the inside of human bodies by hand for illustrated textbooks for kids right. for science, you know, science class. And that, but, you know, then graphic design came and totally threw him out. But he be, he became a graphic designer, an art director. So you kind of it kind of helped. But you're right. Some of these uh, skills that you learn may not apply. They may um, not apply, and, and a lot of it might be more of like a networking thing. So you're getting the basics of how to draw or how to do whatever your your trade is, but the bigger thing is interfacing with your professors and interfacing with industry people who, who are working in that field and basically making friendships and relationships with them, and maybe you can get a job that way. So do you find that a lot of your colleagues or your counterparts have debt, a lot of student loan debt? Uh, yeah, I think most of the people that work with me, they're all, you know, I'd say they're average about 25 years old. And I think most of them have, I mean, I obviously don't know numbers, but I know most of them have some debt behind them. And some of them are even working second jobs just to, you know, just to pay for student loans or, you know, if they want to go out to eat or something like that. So a lot of people are getting secondary jobs just to survive. <laughs> well, that's uh, and that's just the reality. Okay, so that's not far fetched that the student loans are strangling the millennials. How about this? I uh, I did a show uh, recently called "Don't Have Kids If You Want to Retire Early." Uh huh. Um, Which I, I, I I messed up. I should have listened to that ahead of time. <laughs> right, you're about a year too late. I think <laughs> I'm, about, right? I'm, about, I'm about five months too late on that one. Yeah. So, <laughs> um, so my um, my, it was tongue in cheek. You know, obviously I have three kids. But um, I do think that millennials are having kids later in life. Uh, do you find that for your generation? Absolutely. Yep. Because why is it? I think we're all trying to, I mean, you're never financially ready for children. Right. But I think we're trying to at least pretend that we're, we want to be financially stable before we have kids. Because I know that's what me and my wife did. We, we waited. We wanted to make sure that, first of all, we were a good fit for each other and- you know, so it, we waited for that. And I'd say for most of the people in my age group, a lot of them are waiting till they're older to have kids, you know, to their late 20s, early 30s, even longer than that. And then there's still a couple of them. Like we have some good friends who they are, you know, about 30 and they have four kids already and they're done. You know, they're done having kids. And me, I'm in my, I'm 32 and I'm just starting to have kids now. Did you do that or do you feel that they're doing it because of financial or just because they're immature? You know, because a lot of people say millennials are so immature, you know, they're still on mommy and daddy's health insurance till age 26. Right. Right. Whereas our generation or my generation, I mean, you're almost there too. Um, you know, 18, you're out, you go to college, see you later. You right. know, is it that or is it people really saying financially, I want to make sure that I'm not underwater by the time I go to have kids? I honestly don't know. It might be a mixture because I I was like you. I was at 18. I'm out. I want to join the army, get out of the house. And then I, once I got out, I came back to the house for, you know, a couple months until I started school and moved 
moved away. But I mean, I don't know. I think there's probably a mixture of both. You know, I'm not, I'm not really sure. Okay. Um, talk to me now about the social media aspect, the, you know, cause I see like my kids, they were playing, um, Fortnite. I did a show right. on that yep. and they were, you know, I looked it up and I talked with Tony about it and that guy, I forget his name, Ninja, I think Ninja. it is. Yep. He's making like half a million dollars a, a, a month uh, on social right. media. And I see all the, there's a term that I, I learned influencers. So there's these people that yeah, actually social, only that's job. their uh, YouTube and Instagram and, you know, companies, if you have a large following, you know, whatever it is, million, two million people following your, your Instagram page, they'll basically pay you to post for post their product on your Instagram page. So I find that absolutely ridiculous. I guess it's just the generational thing. I know the baby boomers will look at that and say, you're a what? You know, like, <laughs> what do you do for a living? Um, do, do the millennials think the same thing or is it just, that's just part of life. You don't even blink an eye at it. For us, it's, it's just part of life because you know, Ninja's really big with the the gaming, Fortnite, stuff like that. And I know there's other people that are big on gaming, but it's not just gaming channels. There's this uh, lady that I've been following on, on YouTube for the past year, and she's really big into fishing, big into kayak fishing. And, you know, she started out a year ago. Her first video was, girl catches muskie from kayak or something like that. Oh, really? That's a, you know, that, and it, and it, that's, that's fun. Yeah. So, you know, she just she wanted to start a YouTube page and she did that. And eventually it actually picked up and she was just a couple weeks ago. She posted a video that says I quit my job. So she quit her job that she had. She had this income. She had security and everything. She quit that job to do basically full-time YouTube, you know, turn stuff like that. And it turns out that, um, after she had quit her job, like the next day, she was contacted by Major League Fishing to say, "Hey, we want you to be our you. We want you to help to work with us when we have our tournaments and stuff." They just had, last weekend they had that Major League Fishing tournament in Kissimmee, and she was down there for the six days, posting on that one. And then you know she's going to Lake Conroe in Texas or whatever. So she just she took an alternate approach to basically employment. So she's doing that. There's another guy that travels around the country he's quit his job and he's just traveling around the country making videos another kayak fishing dude so i mean i think it's, it's just crazy the, it's just the way the way it is i mean you're getting like google ad dollars and stuff like that you know it's so it's, it's, just, it's, it's so foreign but i guess this is the new way that careers are made right right I mean, it's just a diff it's just a different way of consuming media so it used to be if you wanted to be a personality you had to work in tv you had to somehow find your way, get basically get lucky enough to end up on TV. But now with YouTube and Facebook and all these social media things, if you have that personality, you can kind of skip a lot of the, the back end stuff that you need to do. And you can just go straight into it. And if you have the personality, these are the same people that they would have been chosen anyway, but they're just getting kind of a fast track approach to, to that, you know, yeah, life. just a, a different media job, really. Right. Yeah, I think the boomer generation looks at that and says, wow, that's crazy. You know, um, that's risky to leave your job like that. Like, we did that. You know, there is entrepreneurialism, but is it that the millennial generation is a little more risky or less less loyal to a traditional job? I mean, pensions are gone so for the right. millennials. So 
really what do they guess what do they have to lose right, right. and right. I, I think it's just a uh, an embracement of technology you know technology has allowed these things to be able to happen so they are at the cutting edge of all of these things and they're like I'm going to do that so it's it works out for them and and you're into kayak fishing right is that what yeah, you are? I, I am yep so, I'm into kayak fishing and woodworking and I I have this I love learning how things work and how to do them so um so I'll go on YouTube and spend hours just something out of nowhere I'm like oh I'm gonna learn how to you know do woodworking and I'll watch videos for months at a time and then like okay now I can try it out and then I <laughs> did the same thing with kayak fishing or you know like I said remodeling my house I I've put tile in three different bathrooms now and I hate tiling but I know how to do it right there you go <laughs> I'm I'm gonna learn how to uh, clean a air condenser in my uh, air handler in the attic Oh uh, yeah, yeah. There because, you go. Because it needs to be done, and I don't feel like paying someone to do it. Oh, that's another uh, thing. My <laughs> my air conditioner went out last year, so I had to basically figure out what happened and how to fix it. And I went on YouTube and figured it out, and I probably saved a couple hundred bucks by having some HVAC guy come out and fix it for me. Right, but you also spent probably ten hours of <laughs> YouTube watching to figure it out. I would have spent I would have spent it anyway. So there you go. Might as well, right, might as well right. put something useful. <laughs> So I want to look. I want to look at some statistics that I, I've got here on millennials when it comes to saving and investing, because we're going to talk now. We're going to switch over to retirement and their and the general philosophy. I'd be curious what yours is, but right. um, I'm looking at a Harris Poll study, Trans America Center for Retirement Studies. They put out some good stuff every year. They said that 71% of millennial workers are saving for retirement, and the median age at which they start saving was 24, which is my, the median age for my generation, Generation X, I think I'm Generation X, uh, is um, 30, was 30. So millennials are saving earlier. And in fact, 39% of millennials are defined in the Transamerica survey as super savers. They're saving more than 10% of their salary. Because like, a lot of times you'll hear us say, oh, save 15%. And I say us, financial planners, save 15% of your salary which is so unrealistic for a lot of people, but the millennials seem to be doing that. And and they're on pace to be better savers than their previous generations, which that, that, is that's counterintuitive. Actually, that's actually news seems. to me. I would not have guessed that at all. Neither did I. And I'm looking at this study. Um, it's it's amazing. And, and according to a Fidelity survey in 2018, millennials are on track to replace 78% of their estimated retirement expenses, which 78%, I mean, that's, a lot more than the previous generations have from my experience. But that's, so that's the good news. Um, let's stop there before I get into investing. Let's talk about that. Right. Are, do you, are you saving and are, are your colleagues or your wife and, and your, your generation saving? Do you know? You may not know because people right. don't talk about this. Right. Um, I know that's because I had that unique experience when I was in the army and when I was working ahead of time, I, I think my dad set me up with a, you know, his financial advisor or whatever. And he said, you should put some money away. So they, I opened up a Roth IRA account at 18. Wow. And when I was in the army, especially when I was deployed, I was putting half my paycheck away, you know, into, as I was contributing the max to the Roth and then the rest of it was going into some mutual fund or something like that. So, because you don't have expenses, you know, your food's paid for you, your shelter's paid for you, all of that. So I might as well sock it away instead of, the typical thing is to buy a Corvette or something like that. And like, I wasn't well, interested in that. Well, but. what, what is the tip? This is a, it's an interesting um, 
take on it because I'm not familiar with the military world, right? right. So what were your what were the guys that were out there deployed with you doing with their money? Did you ask? I don't that was the weird thing like cuz I, I even though even though I was putting away half it away, I still had an abundance of cash basically, so or you know, money coming and so I would buy you know, new computers and DVDs and just things to entertain yourself. But then they, they might just sock it away until they get back to the mainland. And that's when they buy the new trucks and they get apartments and they get, you know, whatever it is. And there's spending it on clothes, a lot of it on going out and partying. So there was a, there was a mixture of people, I'd say not necessarily 50, 50, but the two different sides was the people like me who were saving it and being, kind of frugal, still spending and having a good time, but, you know, saving money. And then there was the people that were living paycheck to paycheck. And I think right. that also translates over into normal life as well. Yeah, I think so. But I, and I was like you thinking that most millennials are not saving, but I mean, this was interesting study, but you're a unique case having a Roth at 18. Um, you got some good advice there Yeah, um, and you didn't miss it. You didn't miss it. And I'm assuming now you're still maintaining a high level of savings. Um, you are assuming wrong. <laughs> well, what happened? You got married I, and had a kid? <laughs> I got married, had a kid and like, hey, there's I can spend money on that, you know, that type of thing. So um, I am still putting in money to my 401k. You know, I'm still getting the company match and all of that. But I am not putting into the Roth right now just because of the kid and the house and the car payment and all of that. But I mean, it's it's something that we're definitely talking about. Like we need to put away more money, especially like just have an emergency fund. We know we need one of those. Right. This way, because if the AC breaks again and you're not in the mood to fix it, you're going to have to pay somebody to fix <laughs> right? it. I know. <laughs> but it, that's a that's an interesting point how I, I assumed that because you got on that path early that you would just wouldn't miss it and didn't wouldn't change. But that's not the way life works, is it? Not and always. The, you know? No. No, so, we, we, uh, we, we like to change our mind a lot, uh, millennials. So maybe that's what happened. Uh, well, you, and, and, sp and talking about sp spending um, and not saving, there's this general take that millennials like to spend on experience versus things. They like to go out and do stuff and spend money on that, but they don't like buying tangible things. Is this something you see? I think they're, I know that a lot of my coworkers, they like to go on vacations and they like to go to, you know, Mexico or Hawaii or whatever, things like that. And I like to travel as much as the next person too, but I, I don't know if I necessarily want to do that, but I, I know they do experiences and things like that. So there's like this, uh, there's this mini golf place that's open up around here and it's an indoor thing. And it's all kind of weird stuff in there. So I think they, they do like to do things like that, but at the same time, uh, one of the things that millennials like to spend think money on um, subscription services, if you will. So, you know, like the HelloFresh, so they can have their meals delivered to them. So they still have to cook them, but the ingredients are sent to their door, which is a foreign concept to me because I actually enjoy grocery shopping and cooking. And then right, there's like, right. there's these wardrobe boxes, subscription services. So every month they send you, you know, a couple pairs of socks and a pair of jeans or whatever. And that's foreign to me too. You, you can get these mystery boxes for your dog or fishing, but so they might just spend on experiences, but they also like to not, 
I don't know how to say it. They, they like to buy things that are mysteries to them, I guess. They like to be surprised by what they're getting and what they're going to wear and eat. That is an experience, though, I guess. I guess. Right? The, the, you know, because you need to eat, but you don't know what you're going to get. And oh, it's interesting. I didn't realize that. That's an interesting. I do know what you're talking about because I see it on Shark Tank, you know, get the right. different color socks and you don't know what you're going to get. And that's part of the excitement of it. Um, <laughs> Which is the opposite of me because I buy. 20 pairs of black socks and I wear them until I don't like them anywhere. I throw all of them away and buy 20 new pairs of the same black socks. So I don't have to match anything up or think about it. I could pay That's any good. sock, any sock I have is going to work. There's something to be said about that. Steve Jobs was that way, right? Same, yeah. same you know, you don't have to think, just get the same clothes. On. Right. Wow. Okay. So, um, I think a lot of the boomers are now realizing in retirement, Oh, you know, I wish I would have done some more stuff, uh, as opposed to have so much stuff. Um, so maybe the millennials have this one right. Maybe oh, I thought there. I just remembered this. I saw on Facebook yesterday. I think it was. It was. Don't wait until your retirement to have an adventure, something like that. And it was a picture of this old couple on a roller on a roller coaster, or something like that, and they were sleeping. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty good. That's pretty good. You know, I did also. I just saw that some millennial in India is suing his parents. Because he didn't get, they didn't get permission from him to have him as a child, so he's suing right. them so that they will pay for everything for the rest of his life. <laughs> <laughs> he did not consent to being born. Was the the theory right? I think that's, it's a publicity stunt. <laughs> I mean, both his parents are lawyers, so I have a feeling it's a publicity. Oh, stunt. Oh, I didn't the, know that. Yeah, yeah, that's what the that's what I read deeper on that. Oh boy. Um, all right, so let's talk lastly about investing. So in that same article that I was referencing, this is, uh, what is the title of this article? So if anyone wants to read, Millennials are good at saving, but investing, question mark? Not so much. This is uh, Andrea Coombs on uh, Forbes. So, um, and this uh, this is from March of last year, so it's almost a year old now, but um, here's some interesting Bad news. Uh, 42% of millennials are investing conservatively. And um, whereas 23% of baby boomers are conservative. So you know how we say, oh, baby boomers are so conservative and stuffy and um, they invest that way too. That's not the case. It turns out millennials are more conservative when it comes to investing than the boomers are. In fact, millennials held 25% of their investments in cash compared to 19% overall, in Char according to Charles Schwab. So what's going on here and what are you invested in? I'm wondering if the reason they're more conservative is because they saw their parents and grandparents going through those downturns that we had in, you know, 2008 and stuff like that. And they, you know, they work for their money and they don't want to lose it. So maybe they are just investing more conservatively there. It could be either that or another thing that happens. And this happened to me actually is, you know, when I was, Go, doing my 401k at work, you put it in there. And if you don't sign up for one of the index funds or whatever it is, it just ends up going into a money market making zero. So they may not even know that the money that they're putting away isn't making any any percentage on it. That's true. I, I, I'm sad to see when millennials aren't actually getting the company match. That's just loss of right. 100% return. But you're saying the default might not be uh, advanced enough. And that's a good point to make. And that's why millennials should be aware of what they're investing in. And I, I'm thinking maybe they're not. Um, but you and make see what very, I do. And, and yeah. I don't know, like what I do is I just, because it's money, it's going away. I'm not thinking about it. I know that I have 
time, there's going to be ups and downs, but you know, historically, at least hopefully it's just going to trend up. So I know that I have time where I can just leave it in whatever the, the target retirement age range is. And I just have my stuff in there and I'm just hoping that it goes good for me. Well, it's, and, and that's the philosophy that you should theoretically have. And that's the, the kind of advice I give to millennials if they ask, or if, you know, the parents or grandparents are asking for them is they got time on their side, save as much as you can and don't think about it and be aggressive. Right. Um, when I was just starting investing, I had some money to invest. That's when the dot-com bubble was, was a uh, perfect time to get in. Right. Up, right. And then I, <laughs> then I saw it get smacked down. And, um, and so I was like, Oh, you know, but, then the 08, I saw that SmackDown. And I think that it, if you see your parents retire in, in 07, and then they have less money because they invested in, and you're like, man, I'm not going to do that. You're right. I think that that could be it. But I also think it's just apathy. that People just don't even know what they have. And um, that's an interesting point. I didn't, I didn't think about what they experienced. And, and, but I don't know if, if millennials are being actively conservative. I don't explain, I can't explain why 25% of their investments in cash. That just, I, that, that boggles my mind because cash, you're losing just inflation. Yeah. Inflation. Right. I mean, that's just crazy. Unless they're waiting for a dip to buy, but that doesn't sound like the millennium. No, I don't think that, I don't think that's the case. So it might be just, that's where it's defaulted, which is a sad point. Maybe we should, uh talk to these companies in 401k and say default it to a target date fund at least. Right. You know, based on their age. Wow. So you don't, so do you, do you guys talk about money? Millennials talk about money? Cause we didn't. And our parents certainly didn't. No, I don't think like so. Taboo. I think the only thing we talk about money is who's, how are we splitting the check? You know, if you're going out to dinner, but I mean, <laughs> you kind of know, you know, you have your friends or whatever you're, you, you know, not necessarily how much they're making, but you compare them to yourself and you say, okay, I'm doing about this. This is the experiences of the things I'm buying. And you compare them, they're having similar experiences or they're buying more things. So they probably have a little bit more money than I do, but we don't say, how much do you make? How much do you make? You know, or what are you invested in? Yeah, that's, but that, that should be in something to talk about. What are you invested in? Um, that's something to consider. Push your friends and your, you know, people your age to, uh, to be a little bit more aggressive because if you got 30 years before you're going to retire, why not? You can ride a few cycles right. up and down. And, and it's and coming the, out of your paycheck automatically anyway, so you're not even noticing it. Right. You're not missing it. You'll thank yourself in the future. And that Roth, man, be aggressive in that. Right. That's amazing that you have that. Congratulations on that. Yeah. But, uh, wow. Okay. So you, um, you're not the average millennial. Okay. So let's, let's do, let's do a scale. We'll do a Buzzfeed scale on this one. Um, out of one of five rainbow colored cronuts, how many cronuts am I? <laughs> See, you've lost me because I have no idea what you're talking about. That's just a cr- like uh, Buzzfeed scale. I know what a cronut is. That's okay, like a okay, donut okay. and a and a crawler. Like, is that what that is? Is that or a, or a, um, I don't know. I'm a bad millennial in some cases. See, you're I know the buzzwords, but I don't know what they are. Right. I don't even know what that is. But uh, so. So uh, on a scale of one through five, I would say you're like a two in the millennial world. I'll take that. I'll take that. And the only thing keeping you down is your age. I think (laughs) given given you pulling you out of like if no one knew how old you were, they'd say, oh, this guy sounds like he's already retired. Right. 
right? You're a baby boomer. I'm a baby boomer. So, so I, 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 I picked the bad egg on this one. You're not very helpful. You're supposed to be like uh, saying, I don't even know, right? I don't even, I can't even, no, that's Valley well, Girl. Well, maybe we even, can find you. Maybe we can find, I, there might be a couple of Valley Girl millennials around here I could find for you to do another right, show with. Right, But it's amazing how um, the millennials are really trying to, and, and, and there's more of you now, so the political world's feeling it, right? They're seeing right. all the headlines. So it's going to be interesting. But um, I know as people get older, they tend to become more conservative. That's just generally speaking. I wonder if millennials are going to do the same. We'll see. But, uh, well, thanks. Thanks, Mitch. Thanks for for coming in here. And, and I didn't I didn't ask you any tough questions. Um, uh, still, I mean, we yeah. still have time. Do you want me to ask you a tough question? I mean, <laughs> what do you have in mind? <laughs> What's the next stock tip? Um, yeah, what's the next Google? Right? Is there the any next, what interesting is the next, companies? Oh. Is there any? Yeah, I think I Google is the next Google. Right. <laughs> I don't think they're going to let anyone even come close to them. They're going to push them all the way, or just buy them. They're going to buy up any competition they have, and they just become Google. Nice. Yeah. Or Spotify is going to be the new YouTube. Maybe I heard that. That's they're looking to add video. Oh, and they're doing video. Podcasts. They're going to try. I think they're really? going to try some video, which would be interesting. Well, I know they so. just opened up podcasts to, you know, everyone. That used to be an exclusive invite-only thing, and then we worked behind the scenes and got you on Spotify, so that's a great place to be. But I didn't I didn't know they were going to get into video. Yeah, I read an article about how they're thinking about getting in video, which would mean that they might be like a, a the new TV, right? That like, It could. Right? You know, That's like going to be interesting because I know... I don't know if you know about this, but there's like a lot of YouTube drama going on where people are, you know, you upload a video. It may or may not even have a piece of music or a piece of video in it that's from someone else. And they will copyright claim you. All of the monetization goes to them and you can actually hire companies to go out and scour YouTube and make claims against those. So you can bring in the monetization from those videos. <laughs> so there's a lot of YouTube drama going on, and I wonder if Spotify will be able to figure out a better system for that. Wow. Well, <laughs> it's tough. Now I sound like a, now I sound like a baby boomer. All that, <laughs> all that newfangled stuff. Those are the newfangled TV <laughs> things, whatever. Give me my... Uh, no picture yeah. boxes with this movie screens. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> Give me my Chuck Norris, and, uh, and we're good Days of go. our lives. Right. <laughs> well, with that, with that note, oh, see, you do know a few things. With that note, thanks, Mitch, for having me. And um, next time, everyone listening, now you know why our voices sound so good because he's the one that's uh, making the magic. So that's right. Hopefully, next week we'll have Tony on and we'll we'll ask him some similar questions and see what he thinks. We'll make him listen. He to pro- you Tony's probably a better millennial than I am. He probably <laughs> is, right? Yeah, he drives that. Uh, he drives the electric. He's got that car. Volt, that electric car, right? I right. call it a hybrid, but he does. He doesn't like it when I call it when I call it that. Ooh, it just have a, It has a generator to charge the battery, so it takes gas. It's a hybrid. No, it's not. <laughs> <laughs> now we know to pick on him, <laughs> right? All right, thanks everyone for listening, and if you're a millennial listening, uh, thanks for listening on Spotify. But if you want some advice to give to your millennial kids or grandkids, give me a call. Go to DolphinFinancialGroup.com or just pick up the phone and dial 888-508-5935. Thanks for a great show and a great fill-in for Tony. Thank you for listening to Dolphin Financial Radio. Don't try to retire without a solid income plan. For more information, please contact Dan Wendell at Dolphin Financial Group. Call 888 508 
888-5935 or visit the website at DolphinFinancialGroup.com. Dan Mundell or Dolphin Financial Group are not affiliated or endorsed by Social Security or any government agency. Everything discussed on today's show was for informational purpose only. Since everyone's situation is different, some things may not apply to you. The materials presented are believed to be from reliable sources. We cannot be 100% certain that they are accurate. You should really talk to my dad or someone from Dolphin Financial Group before trying to implement these ideas or strategies.